you are listening to Survive and Thrive, Managing Life with Adult ADHD. Adults affected by ADHD will be helped to succeed, enjoying their life in the process. Hosted by Abigail Wirf, coach, author, and speaker. Abigail's focus is helping adults with ADHD live their best lives professionally and personally. Hi, I'm Abigail Worf, and welcome to Survive and Thrive, Managing Life with Adult ADHD. This podcast episode is being published in February 2018 as a part of a series about ADHD and relationships. In podcast episode 026, I discussed ADHD and relationships in general. Last week, ADHD and romantic relationships. This week, ADHD and our relationship with money followed next week by ADHD and relating to family, including parenting. For those of you new to this podcast, I'm an ADHD coach who works with individuals and couples affected by ADHD. I am also the author of the book, Forget Perfect, How to Succeed in Your Profession and Personal Life, Even If You Have ADHD. The book is available at my website, abigailworf.com forward slash book, or you can go straight to Amazon. I mention my book because I go more in detail on the relationship topics I'm covering this month in the book than I have time to cover in each of these podcast episodes. Also, as I said, the title is Forget Perfect, How to Succeed in Your Professional and Personal Life, Even If You Have ADHD, and I want you to realize that I'm forgetting perfect about this podcast. I feel especially those of us affected by ADHD really have to make an effort to get things done. And in order to do that, sometimes we just have to forget perfect. So I'm apologizing in advance for any paper rustling you hear or coughing or anything like that, because to me, the important thing is I get this out when I say I will. There is a cheat sheet for this podcast episode, and that can be found at abigailworf.com forward slash cheat sheet 028, abigailworf.com forward slash cheat sheet 028. The cheat sheet has a partial transcript of the major content from this podcast, plus a list of sites and books to support you and your issues related to ADHD and money. Okay, managing your relationship with money. Yes, you do have a relationship with money. For this podcast episode, we are going to deal with budgeting, planning for the future, late payments, and setting up a system to manage and prevent the bad consequences that can result from ADHD symptoms. I do have a disclaimer. I am not a money expert by any stretch of the imagination. Therefore, anything regarding money I talk about is purely from a layman's point of view, or laywoman's, or layperson's, whatever you want. Before doing anything regarding your financial situation, check with a financial expert. The following is not meant to be in lieu of expert opinion. I grew up thinking men were bad with money, and women were good with money. Imagine my surprise when I discovered that most people thought the exact reverse. In my family, my mother managed the money because my father was not good at managing the family finances. My father was more of a big-picture kind of guy. In his work, he made big financial decisions that affected many people. He took his responsibilities seriously and was excellent at making these decisions, but when it came to family finan- our family financial situation, he was out to lunch. Although he died in 1981, never diagnosed, my family and I believe it is likely he was affected by ADHD also. 
It is common for those of us affected by ADHD to be able to see the big picture but fall apart when it comes to the details. I believe that is one of the reasons we have so many difficulties regarding money. Money is, after all, all about details. Budgeting. The first details to to attend to include budgeting and tracking your expenses. Budgeting is a scary word for people affected by ADHD. We know we ought to be doing it. We might even like the concept of it. But following through on it stymies us. Budgeting is a system, and while systems intrigue us, we can make them awfully complicated and then either forget to use them or don't use them because of their complexity. To get our financial house in shape, we all need to have a budget, a simple budget, for three basic reasons. We need to know for sure that more money is coming in than is going out. We need to be putting money away for the future so that we can maintain our lifestyle once we stop working. We need to create an emergency fund and grow it as our financial commitments grow. If technology helps you stay organized, use it. Many apps are available that can help you create and keep a budget. See the cheat sheet for this episode for a list at abigailworth.com forward slash cheat sheet 028 abigailworth.com forward slash cheat sheet 028. The simpler the system, the better and more likely you will use it. Spending money, meaning money going out. When developing a budget, create categories that break down how you spend money into groups so your money is easier to manage. Be careful not to start out with a million categories. The more categories, the greater the complexity it is much better to stick to basics. For example, you could have the categories of rent, slant, mortgage, insurance, medical, emergency fund, retirement fund, transportation, utilities, food, entertainment, clothing, miscellaneous. A common mistake is to plan your monthly budget by taking your total annual expenses and dividing it by 12 to anticipate monthly expenses. However, not all expenses are incurred in even monthly segments. Holiday and travel costs don't occur every month. You may have unexpected costs like repairing the dishwasher. Your car insurance may not be due monthly. These oversights can lead to unexpected expenses. If you do not think it is realistic to expect that you will follow a budget or track expenses, I suggest using the envelope method. With this approach, you can use cash set aside by category in a way to manage your spending. You can find instructions easily by searching money envelope system online. There are also apps that mimic this approach. Earning money, that is money coming in. On the income side, record what you are taking in. If taxes are automatically taken out before you receive your paycheck, just record the amount of the check. If you work for yourself or don't have taxes taken out, put aside money for estimated taxes. The best way to do this is to have your bank automatically deposit the appropriate amount into a savings account every time you deposit income. For example, if 15% of your income goes to taxes each year, Have the bank deposit 15% of an income check into your savings account. This must be deposited in a savings account that you do not touch except for when you write your checks to the IRS and pay local taxes. 
if you pay your taxes on a quarterly schedule, you won't have that big a tax bill due on April 15th. Of course, please talk to a professional regarding any money issues, especially your taxes. Just as different expenses are due at different times, in some months, you'll have more expenses and you'll have more expenses, income can vary as well. Some months bring in more money than others. For example, for salaried employees, some months there are two pay periods, and in other months there might be three pay periods. Managing credit cards. What you spend using your credit cards is part of your budget. The only difference is the payment is delayed until the end of the billing period. Since interest on credit cards is incredibly high in most cases, do not spend more than you can pay off that month unless it is an emergency expense. When you do not pay the entire amount due on your credit each month, you are paying much more for whatever it is you think you bought at a great sale. It is also important not to pay your credit card bills late because the interest charged on many credit cards increase once you have paid late. This means you're paying even more money for the inconvenience of using a credit card. One approach to avoid the temptation of overspending or carrying credit card debt is to pay mostly by cash or check. The other is to just make sure to pay the balance off in full each month. A good way to make sure you are really grasping how much you are paying in interest is to take your credit card statement, print it out if you don't receive it in the mail anymore, and highlight how much interest you paid that month. Keep doing it with each statement every month and start adding those amounts together. Getting a little scary, isn't it? Some people get radical and cut up all their credit cards. Don't do that. You may need one in case of an emergency. Do not, however, take on store credit cards because the interest is often even higher than regular credit cards. Remember when they say things like you'll get 10% off your first purchase? But if the interest is like 20% and you're not paying it off right away, you're not saving money at all. If you have balances due on multiple credit cards, see if you can switch all the balances to the credit card with the lowest interest rate to save some, yourself some money. Also, if you have to pay off the debt on, most, on multiple credit cards, pay off the one with the highest interest first if you are unable to consolidate all the debt onto one low interest card. Avoiding late payments. Avoiding, avoiding paying bills late is really important. First off, late payments can begin to affect your credit rating, and some credit cards increase interest after a late payment, as I said before. For some of us, automatic is a dream come true. For me, it is a nightmare because I lose track of how much I have in different accounts. Since I own my own business, I pay myself. Sometimes I forget to move the money to the correct account. Out of sight, out of mind for me. Getting a bill with a due date reminds me to deposit money from my business account to my personal account and then pay the bill. The lesson here is to know yourself and do what works for you. Impulsivity and money. A component of ADHD is impulsivity. Impulse buying and spending plague many of us. With the advent of the internet, we do not even need to leave home to spend our money. Ordering unplanned things off the internet because we feel we need a treat or pick-me-up can turn into a dangerous and expensive habit. This is where it helps to be able to self-soothe without spending money. 
Get yourself out of a funk by talking or exercising rather than buying yourself out of it or eating food when you are not hungry. Another thing I do is my own form of shock treatment. I figure out all the money that I still need to pay for the rest of the month. This includes any unpaid bills due that month, the cost of grocery trips, anticipated spending on special purchases, or to get something fixed, the credit card balances, and any big money items coming up in the near future. I total the amount, making sure to overestimate each item's cost just in case. Then I look at uh, my bank checking account to see what the balance is. I subtract the total I came up with for current and future expenses and take a pause. Is it really in my best interest to spend the money right on the giga, on that particular giga that probably just in the moment is exciting me? Sometimes the answer is yes, but most often the answer at this point becomes no. Saving money. In 1990, at my first real job out of college, I was working for a nonprofit and was paid $16,000 a year plus full insurance coverage. Despite the low salary, I managed to save money because my paycheck was directly posited into my checking account, except for $50 each pay period that was deposited into my savings account. The sum I had saved came in handy when I was laid off a year later. It wasn't a lot, grant you, but any bit helps when you've lost your job. One of the best ways to save money is to have a portion of your um, uh, check, your paycheck, automatically deposited and rerouted to your savings account. What you never have, you usually don't miss. Contributing towards retirement. Years ago, my mother was in line at a department store buying a wedding present for someone when she heard the woman in front of her talking to the clerk. The woman said how her son was a poor actor, financially poor. Since I was a financially poor dancer at the time, my mom started to listen. The woman said instead of giving her son gifts he didn't need, she opened a Roth IRA account for her son and was putting a little into the account for each of his birthdays. A Roth IRA has no tax implications for account holders until they retire and use the money, at least at the time of this recording. This meant his mother could put money towards his retirement, something he could not do owing to his financial situation, without his being burdened by an increased tax bill uh, each year. Since he was unlikely to have much money upon retirement, this not only helped him, but also alleviated some of the mother's concerns for the future. My mother had a similar worries, so she opened a Roth IRA for me and put in a starting amount. Once something already exists, it's easier to contribute to it. Granted, I can't contribute a lot to it, but every little bit begins to add up. Thinking that you need to put money away for your retirement and that you will just do it by adding more to your savings won't work for a couple of reasons. The money will have virtually no growth, so it's easy to think, why bother? If you do put money aside, you are likely use those savings in an emergency or pseudo-emergency situation. It's better to open a Roth IRA or something like that because you are less likely to touch the money. It will not be taxed until you take the money out upon retirement, at least at the time of this recording, and it will help you differentiate between your emergency savings account and your retirement savings. The later you start, the larger amounts you will need to contribute. 
The goal is to increase the percentage in your retirement fund as you increase your income because your expectations of standard of living goes up as your income increases. It is much easier to adjust to a surplus of money in retirement than to adjust to a scarcity of money in retirement. Creating an emergency fund. An emergency fund is supposed to cover six months of expenses according to the powers that be. This might not be a realistic goal for those affected by ADHD. I suggest you shoot for setting aside three months' worth of expenses in your emergency fund. This is thinking in an anticipatory way. This is important because as people affected by ADHD, we find that emergencies often happen to us and we're not prepared for them. Also, we are much more likely to lose our jobs than people not affected by ADHD. The emergency fund is therefore more likely to be necessary for us. My car was 15 years old. I was happy that I didn't need to have to make a monthly payment on it, but at the same time, I knew I needed to be thinking ahead, putting aside money for the inevitable repairs and eventually replacing the car with a new used car when the old one was no longer worth repairing. If you use some of that emergency money, start replacing it as soon as possible. Don't get complacent. There is no rule that says one emergency can't rapidly follow another one. Also, as your income increases, make sure your emergency fund has contributions that reflect that new income. Okay, taking charge of your finances. Managing money is something that's hard for people with ADHD to do, whether it be because of the difficulty of focusing on the details, problems with setting up systems, lack of focus on the future or impulsivity. But managing your money is crucial to having the life you want now and in the future. There are ways to do it and to get help doing it even if you are affected by ADHD. Don't deny and don't delay. Before all else, however, consult a financial advisor. I am providing knowledge based on my own experience and reading, but I am not an expert in this area. Your advisor is and can also give you advice that is specific to your situation. So that's all for today on your money and your relationship with your money, rather. The cheat sheet for this podcast episode can be found at abigailwerf.com forward slash cheat sheet 028. The cheat sheet has a partial transcript of the major content from this podcast, plus a list of sites and books to support you and your issues related to ADHD and money. Have a great week. Be sure to check out next week's podcast, the last one on relationships for this series, and it's about managing your relationship with family when you are affected by ADHD. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Survive and Thrive. Managing Life with Adult ADHD. Come back next week for a new episode. For show notes and free stuff, go to abigailwerf.com.